Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Having a better understanding of what mental health is and how to take care of your mental health is a vital part of keeping yourself healthy. In today's episode, business owner Laquan Rice and I discuss maintaining a healthy state of mind as an entrepreneur, how juggling multiple responsibilities place a great deal of stress on your mind and body, as well as the importance of dealing with unresolved trauma and how it can play a role in how you handle stress. Let's jump into the conversation. Thank you so much, Laquan, for being on Elevated Voices Podcast. Ashika, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. You're welcome. The pleasure is all mine. So I know that my small introduction of your bio doesn't describe half of the skills and knowledge and just experience that you have why you decided to get into hospitality and, you know, the service industry and then now into real estate. You know, like any child, you have dreams, you aspire to be something or someone. And I remember getting in, right, I got into high school. I wanted to be an electrical engineer. I thought that was really cool, right? Because I was really good in math. I was good in STEM, you know, altogether. Um, but I also understood when I got to high school very quickly that I understood the construct that I was in. And in this construct, some of the tools they perceived to give you necessarily doesn't work out when you get outside of high school into the real world. So when I got off to college, my first job in the hospitality industry was with Red Lobster or Darden, Darden Hospitality. I, and I was a host, you know, because at the time I, I was 18, you could only be a host at the time. I get bored very quickly. Uh, so I remember speaking to one of my managers, like, listen, you know, I don't want to host anymore. Is there anything else I can do? And I don't know if you remember at the time, um, there was Cordell Stewart, who had played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, punt returner, kick returner, the multiple things, right? And so they offered a position to me, like, listen, you come to work and you're just going to be in multiple positions. So in multiple roles in any given shift. And I like that was kind of cool. I was able, you know, see people, host, have conversations, expedite, run food, wash dishes, whatever it took. I was able to get that done. And that's kind of how I knew, like, maybe this industry is for me because it was so interchangeable. But I also knew at the same time that I wanted at some point in my life, I wanted my own business. That's a lot, especially when your boss challenged you to do all of those jobs in in one, because a lot of people probably couldn't handle multiple positions, let alone doing like multiple tasks. How did you maintain a, a healthy state of mind? Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, healthy state of mind. First, you got to know that the mind isn't healthy, right? You know, like in college, you know, outside of me working 40 hours a week, I was taking 18 hours. Like you hear about stress, but you have no idea what it's currently doing to you. And like, and not that I had behavioral issues. Like, you know, when I think about it, man, I, I behave like an idiot at times. Like when I was 19 years old, right? You know, rather it was, you know, going to the bar and, and you know, and taking 10 shots in the first hour. Like that doesn't make any sense. But outside of that, my sleep habits were bad. My, my eating habits were bad. You know, like me taking care of my skin, you know, I did a really bad job at that. 
and I was irritable a lot of the times. And when I when I look back, right now, I understand how much pressure I was under, you know, and it takes a really long time to to understand that. Right. You know, and I think I do a really good job of of analyzing myself and being really self-aware. But even the most self-aware, there's things that you just don't even recognize about yourself sometimes. Very true. And I know that you said that you placed a lot of pressure on yourself and not even knowing and realizing that you were literally going through an ordeal of stress growing up. What was some of the beliefs that either you were taught or that you learned uh, about caring for your health? I want to say I have a great family because maybe one day they may hear this. They were great people, but they were also unaware. And the fact they were unaware about mental health, they couldn't tell me anything. So all I was told, pray ask God for help and don't be telling the white man your business. That's all I knew. Right. Right. You know, and so like, I believe, listen, I, I believe religion is great. And I understand in my, in our community, that is the form for hope for us, right. To get out of bondage. Cause I believe that our culture, our people are still in bondage is that God has the answers for everything. And, and yes, it may be so fitting. So, right. Right. But it takes someone to recognize the root and the stem of our issues. And I don't believe religion digs deep enough to figure that out outside of praying to God and, and coming to church. And so like for me, like, man, I was I was understanding that because I grew up in the church. So I was understanding this very quickly that some of the answers that I was hoping to get that I could not get because certain things you couldn't question. Growing up, like, you know, I would watch my mom. I, my mom, she's a loving, beautiful human being. Like I watched how she dealt with her trauma. It was by drinking. You know, I watched, you know, my uncles and my aunties. I, I just watched how like they dealt with trauma and they dealt with it in the way like a child would would deal with an issue, you know? So I didn't know any better. Like there was no guidance on mental health. Like there was, there was nothing really there. The school wasn't there, right? Like my coaches didn't say anything because it seemed like they were all still dealing with their same stuff too, right? The same thing that I was dealing with or my mother was dealing with. There wasn't any advice. And, and, and then at that same time, you know, being a black male, like it was always about, you know, just be a man, you know, suck it up, right? You know, uh, you got to take care of your mom. You know, it was like, listen, I'm 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 13, I'm 13 years old. Like, I don't even know the the definition of what a man is, and and I think the definition of what a man is it limit us to being a truly, you know, evolved human being. Right. Right. How how come we can't be sensitive? Right. You know. Right. How come we can't cry? How come we can't grieve? It was funny. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and I was like, man, like this acronym for thug is like traumatized human being unable to grieve, you know, being, you know, supposed to be, you know, black and strong. And we, we don't have the time to grieve. And I remember the first time, like for me, it switched. Cause I remember that my, my, my grandparents would tell me when I was a child, I cried all the time. And I'll be honest, since the time I was 14 years old, when I heard about my, my auntie had contracted HIV, I probably cried one time since, and I'm 40 years old. And I remember the day they came over to my mom's house, they told me to leave the, they told me to leave the apartment, you know, as a child, I'm not going to leave. I'm just sitting outside the door and listening to what they're saying. And I heard about it and I, and I cry like a baby. I went back inside the house. I cry like a baby. And I remember and my uncle, he meant no wrong by saying this. He said, you know, stop all the, you know, the crying. It's time for you to, you know, be strong and be a man. And from that, like this weird switch just turned on, like, okay, you're right. You know? And so I learned to suppress a lot of the emotions that I was dealing with all during high school you know, and even in college. But but now it's like, I, you know, I've done a much better job of understanding my emotions. And I call it emotional dexterity is that I see the emotion. I feel the emotion. I deal with it and I move on from it. And so loosely, I, I, I still listen. I, I still get the emotion. I still feel it. And I take it on. But then I kind of move on from it and I understand with the emotion, how it affected me. 
Right. You have touched on so many different critical points, not knowing, you know, what mental health right. was back then because you were you were a child back then. That's different now. Then the whole concept of a man can't show emotions, but then also the other concept of what a man should be and how society defines what a man should be. But it's like, you know, I'm just a child and and let someone show me and guide me what a man should be. And then, you know, let me decide for myself. And I think that that's something that we have to to work on. That's something that we struggle with, but there's also a lot of room for growth. Right. And so I want the listeners to, to understand that mental health is different from having a mental health diagnosis or a mental health illness. Mental health is how you feel, what your emotions are, what your behaviors are, and how all three of those things go hand in hand. That is basically what mental health is. Everybody has mental health because we're human. There are certain things in our environment. There are certain things that we are taught that then impedes our mental health, which then later on, it then develop into a mental health illness or a mental health disorder. For example, you highlighted it very well when you said at that point, you know, I heard what they told me. I heard what my uncle told me. And I just suppressed, but that's unhealthy. Right. We have to be able to truly understand the difference between the two. And so I heard you also say that that happened back then, but now I am learning what it really means to take care of my mental health. How do you do that? Yeah. First thing I do is when I wake up, I take my water, my lemon, and my pink Himalayan sea salt because I've been dehydrated from the night before sleep. And that kind of just gets me loose in the morning. It kind of wakes me up. I don't drink coffee, you know, so that, that's, that's, that's my pick me up from there. But I do really focus and, and to explain, like I do a really good job of juggling and I pride myself on that, but it also, it exhausts me too, because I have a family, I have multiple businesses. And within that, I'm relied on quite a bit. You know, I'm, I'm the breadwinner of the house. I've been fortunate enough to have a wife that is at his home with our children, um, which is a great thing. But then here, being an entrepreneur, like, you know, I get a lot of phone calls, text messages, emails about decisions, 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 and I would get cognitive fatigue. You make decisions all day long. And at some point, the mind breaks down of making the continuously making decisions. And so I then knew I had to find space for myself and time for myself. So what I do quite often, I would have solo dinners, meaning it is me. I sit in the corner, I do audible listening. And so I sit there and I have a dinner and it's peaceful, right? Like that is my, that's my serenity. I get a hotel room to myself once a month, every month, where literally I pop up on the bed, you know, I order pizza, whatever it is, whatever junk food I want to order, you know, I watch TV, I get some work done and I sleep solo. And then another thing is like, I, I enjoy having my family dinners. I do. I think it's great because we sit at the table, we talk, you know, amongst each other about how our day, how our week was and so forth. And I'm also doing a much better job of saying no. And then meaning no to functions, rather is hanging out with the fellas, going to dinner with somebody or whatever it may be, you know, even tell my wife no sometimes, but she rarely hears no, but I do tell her no every blue moon. And then, you know, I work out, I work out four to five days a week. And that in itself is serenity to me. Like those things is what I, is what I take on in terms of, of keeping myself balanced. Right. Definitely. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for explaining what emotional fatigue is. 
it happens and it happens to the best of us because we we go, we go, we go, we go, and we never stop to take care of ourselves. Sometimes we, you know, don't know that it's okay to stop in order to take care of ourselves because of, you know, things that we have learned in our childhood growing up. And, you know, what does that look like in prioritizing, you know, what's important, you know, because sometimes we don't learn that. Right. Now that you have learned that and being able to implement those skills is very important. So you laid out a nice amount of things that you do for yourself to basically refill your cup. And so one of the things to highlight is when we talk about mental health and we talk about the emotional component of it, we talk about the the, the cognitive component, which is the way that you think. And then we talk about the behavioral component, which is the actions. Maintaining healthy mental health is important. And again, you laid out a great um, way to do that. But most people truly don't understand how those three things are connected. Right. And so if you're running on E, you're more irritable. You're Mm -hmm. more, you know, dismissive. Your thoughts is clouded. You know, your emotions are heightened and and most of the emotions are distressed emotions. When it comes to, you know, behaving and acting, you're going to push people away. You're going to, you know, probably snap at people. The other thing that I wanted to to highlight is that wellness is the overall thing that you are aiming to accomplish. And that is wellness within your emotional, your financial, your social, spiritual, occupational, physical, intellectual, and your environment. So those eight categories or those eight areas are impacted when your mental health is poor. Absolutely. And and both you and I have highlighted that. Why do you think that is so much stigma behind mental health? I, you know, I think like when we hear about it, it ends in mental health. And I hear, I think people hear illness, right? Right. And I think you broke down the definition earlier, right? But I think still people see illness at the end of it. You know, I, w- I would tell like my friends and even I tell my wife, like today I'm just physically and emotionally compromised. Like I just am. I can't, I can't help anybody today. This is where I am. I think if people remove that, right? Right. We just let's remove illness for a second and focusing on how can we improve our mental health and our overall health? I think initially, right in the beginning, I think it can be accepted a little easier. But also, we have to understand that we have to be honest with ourselves. And honesty is key. Like, I had to be honest, like, man, like, you know, like, you know, I, again, I was short, I was irritable, you know, I was angry. The one thing I don't believe in is spanking my children. When I go back, I remember I, I spanked my, at the time, my two-year-old. And the only reason I spanked her is because of what my day was like. I could have dealt with her crying like a baby or brat over a cupcake any other day, but it was about what I was dealing with that entire week. And I'm responsive and not reactive, always as a parent. You know, I'm about listening because I think I might've been spanked twice as a child. And I look at the people that, you know, around my age that I surround myself with have high levels of anxiety and depression. And I can only imagine what it feels like for a child to know that their parents upset with them and knowing that they're waiting to get spanked and beaten by the person that they love the most. The amount of anxiety that that puts on a child has to be enormous. So that's one thing I don't do. But in terms of like, we have to be honest with ourselves and look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize and be honest with some of the traumas that we've had in our childhoods. Because at the end of the day, think about this, and I say this all the time, is that adults are like little children. 
They still are in so, in, in so many ways in terms of how they deal with their emotions in the world. And the reason being because they have never addressed the trauma in their life. And like, so I did therapy and, and she was great. For me, it was about, you know, I guess I'm very self-aware and I feel like I have high levels of emotional intelligence, but also I'm not 100% right all the time. I, maybe there is something about me that I believe that I thought I knew that I didn't know. And so I had to go to therapists to kind of express myself and the things that I dealt with as a child to understand how I was dealing with my stress. And by going to therapy allowed me to recognize some of the things that I was doing. That's how I found out I had cognitive fatigue. I would have had no idea what that meant at that time. So me knowing that I needed to focus on one, being a better husband, being a better father, being a better son and a grandson and cousin and so forth was, was truly for me to get the most out of myself. And the only way I can do that is taking a look at it and some of the traumas that I've dealt with that as a child, and maybe I just put them away, and maybe I need to bring them back to light to address things that can enable me and to help me in the future. Right. Speaking of trauma and being able to, to face your trauma, that is a very scary thing for a lot of people. Trauma is my specialty. I have a passion for that work because it's much needed. A lot of individuals that I see when we talk about you know raising awareness about, you know, mental health and how do you heal and how do you grow and how do you be a better person, a better you, right? You you nailed it. You said basically, you know, I had to look at myself. I had to be honest with myself in order to say, you know what? I need to be able to take a step back and I need to be able to reevaluate that. But it's really hard for people to reevaluate themselves if all they know is dysfunction all they know is brokenness. All they know is basically what they have been taught or witnessed or seen or picked up throughout their childhood. Not saying that your childhood was like that, but just speaking in general, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people out there who childhood is and was, and they're struggling trying to figure out who I am and, and, and how I fit into this world, not realizing that, you know what, I need to be able to take care of my mental health, going back to that word, right? That magic word, meaning I need to take a step back. I need to look at, you know, how my childhood, how my adolescence, you know, how that impact the way I think, you know, how I address my emotions, how I handle my emotions, therefore, you know, and how I react to certain things, right? Again, your emotions, your thoughts, and your behaviors, they go hand in hand. When you have been told you can't express emotions, when you have been told, oh, suck it up. Oh, you're weak. You know, you're a crybaby. You know, real men don't do that. Real women don't do that. Then you honestly, the more you hear that, the more you internalize that, the more that plays in your mind over and over and over and over and over. And sometimes, Parents, sometimes society don't understand what they are molding because as a child, we're sponges. You know, we, we soak up every single thing. So if what we're taking and digesting is toxic, if it's unhealthy, you know, honestly, how do you expect someone to, to grow into a healthy adult, right? You can't. No, you can't. Like, like again, you, you touched on a ton there. I have these conversations all the time. I told myself 
like, you know, as much as I do a lot of the work that I do, yes, it is absolutely 100%, you know, for, you know, my family. It is, but it doesn't stop there. Like, I know what it's like back home. I know what it's like for my brothers and sisters. I know what it's like, what, what life is like and the amount of stress that they, they deal with. And at the end of the day, for me, the only way to pay off my debt is to be a servant for God and me being a servant for my people. And it's like, you know, with all the dysfunction that we deal with daily, it's like a, a never ending cycle. And it's like, man, like, like, how do you, how do you end it? Yeah, we can keep putting band-aids on things and, you know, bandaging this and that. And like at the end of the day, like, listen, that band-aid comes off, you know, those wounds will eventually reopen. And so it's like, we got to figure out a way to get to the root of some of these issues. And it's really learning for us is learning how to love ourselves while still facing all the difficulties that we have in front of us. And like, listen, I, I know like religion is a great tool. Going to church is a great tool. We, we got to find a way to do it on a level to where said person isn't intimidated or feel like, like it just needs to be a little more of a welcoming environment and church. Yes, church, church is, but church can also be judgmental, right? It can be. And you can feel that way. Cause I know guys, i talked to a lot of, in their youth who didn't want to go to church because of how they were going to be looked at when they got there. So it was like, it's, it's learning, one, is learning how to love ourselves. And that starts with normally with a child, it starts with their parents. Again, it's just so tough, actually, because it's, it's this cycle. And I don't know if I have the answer on how to break that. Right. The only thing I can do is like, man, like how can we put our children in better situations to better handle the stress that life brings at them, but also to be stable enough to deal with that, right? Right. And that comes with, that, that, that comes with you know, financial help, emotional help, spiritual help, and everything that you had talked about before, all those eight points that you had hit on before, in my mind, right. we need to create these facilities for our youth as a second form of education, right? School is good, right. right? I don't call it great, but school is good, but there's so many other facets in life that will help us and catapult us in terms of education until we reach that pinnacle, right? And I don't know when that is, you know, I don't know how soon that takes, but it darn sure starts in the home. Right. Right. You know, and I know like, you know, how like inflation has gone crazy and both parents need to work. You know, like I would tell people nowadays, like, make sure you're financially and emotionally stable enough before you even bring a child in this world. Right. Right. Like, and I don't know what that looks like. It seems like every system is against us. Right. I see guys who are locked up for child support, you know, over the craziest dollar amount, rather it's $47 to, you know, $20,000. And like, there's no lobbyist out right now that is trying to help change those laws in the child support system. You know, let alone it's like in the world that we live in, we're still, I feel like we're still in last place, even though I know we could be in first place. And it's not a, a one, you know, one shop stop answer for you, right? I just know there's a lot of things that we have to work on and it, and it, and it starts in the home and it starts in the environment, but also starts with people like loving us as we are humans and not looked at in the way that the media portrays our culture to look like, right? You're absolutely right. And I think that it does start in the home. And for all of our listeners out there, how do we break generational curses, guys? Start in the home. Start being a, a better parent than your parent or your guardian or whatever environment that you grew up in. Being able to tackle those past traumas, being able to do self-reflection, being able to be truthful with yourself and being able to, to seek help. It's okay to do that. Like Laquan said, is the church can only get you so far. Your family and friends can only get you so far. 
you yourself can only get yourself so far. Being able to to reach out for help and being able to say, you know what, hey, and let me retrain my brain. Because that's basically what all of this is about, is being able to retrain the brain. Because we have learned and we have picked up all of those unhealthy ways of thinking and feeling and reacting, right? Those are habits and habits can be replaced. And so I think that taking the initial step and and starting in the home is the number one thing that you can do. But also I remember the phrase, and I know that, you know, I'm not the only person out there that have heard this is what happens in this house stays in this house. You know, why are you telling the family business and secrets? You know, holding on to secrets and holding on to that stuff, because that's what I call it, stuff. You hold on to that and you you carry that with you in every relationship that you have. You know, I was having mm-hmm. a conversation with my cousin. I said to him, I said, drinking and smoking is not how you cope. You're just masking the problem. Allow yourself to deal with those emotions that you're feeling. Because after you suppress the emotions with the alcohol and the marijuana, right, that wears off. What do you have left? Mm -hmm. You still have those same emotions. You still have those same thoughts in your head. So, again, it's a never ending cycle. That cycle is how what we call it mental health disorder or mental health illness. That's how that develops. Mm -hmm. It's about admitting that we're not perfect. Right. Not necessarily admitting that something is wrong with us. It's about admitting that we're not perfect. And and the goal is is always trying to find a way to improve who we are as humans so we can have the gratitude for the next human being. And and that takes time. Like I think people they can go to school, they can go to college, they can go to the hardest college in order and get six degrees. And that takes a lot of time and effort, right? Right. For me, it's like you can continue to go to school over and over again, but you can't take the time out, look yourself in the mirror to, to do the work on you. Having a ton of degrees, that is great, right? That is like, you can put it on your walls, but it truly doesn't change who you are inside. And that takes continuous work every day. And I feel like in terms of fear, that's probably what people are afraid about most is truly identifying some of their imperfections as who they are. Even joining a support group around people who has dealt with trauma, and they don't say that even look like us, right? They can look like anybody because everybody's dealt with some type of trauma. And then also I believe like, what is so important, it is having a purpose in life. Because I believe there's so many people walking around in this world who are unfulfilled and that they're unfulfilled because they don't have a purpose. And like when you're unfulfilled, you're literally just living. And actually, I take the back, you're dying at a, at, a, at a really slow rate. And so whatever that looks like, what purpose is. And for me, like anytime, like the, there's, there's no better feeling in the world, at least for me, in helping somebody out. Like my staff would tell you, I walk around here, you know, with quotes all the time, quotes are on the wall. You know, I send motivational videos, you know, whatever it takes. Right. And, and maybe it can be an annoyance at times, but at the very least, they know I have their best interest at heart. Yeah. You never know what your grace and what your generosity can do to someone. You never know what someone's day is like, what they are experiencing at home, what they're going through. And your kindness, a high, just a smile can literally make or break a person. Absolutely. If someone wants to, learn more about you. If someone wants to to reach you, ask you questions, how can they reach you? I can be reached at uh, ricelaquan at gmail.com. My Instagram handle, it is laquanrice23. 
And then on Facebook, it is like Quan and Rice. So I can be reached out in a multitude of ways. You can also even call the restaurant if you choose to do so. And our phone number here is 773-697-4153. Our website is www.theduplexchicago.com. All right. Well, there you have it, listeners. Being able to take care of your mental health and, of course, stop by the duplex and grab you a bite to eat. So do both. Why not, right? So thank you so much, Laquan, for being on Elevated Voices Podcast. Very welcome. Thank you, Dashika. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.